0: All right, guys, welcome back to The Convo. This episode is brought to you by com. Make sure to go check it out. we got some new stuff. It's going to be up real soon.
1: Pictures are coming.
0: Lord willing. Uh, so this week, we've got you episode two of the Matt Ewing series. Yeah, we hope you
1: uh, enjoyed last week.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of content in here. It's something you may need to go back and listen to a few times before it makes sense to you. Um, this guy's on another level. <laughs> I actually went back and listened to last week again was blown away there's a lot of things I didn't catch the first time because I was just trying to have an actual conversation with him and like I couldn't process the information he was telling me and have a conversation at the same time (laughs) yeah so I had to go back and listen to it but
1: this week he actually um you know tells us a really interesting story about the medical emergency that he went through and it's actually quite interesting riveting even I would say Yeah,
0: you know, I think this episode two, the second part of it, um, is going to be really entertaining. A lot of good stuff in there, so stay tuned. Welcome to The Convo with Kurt and Colton, where we talk about music, life, and reality. I'm Kurt. And I'm Colton. This this is The Convo. You were telling me a cool concept earlier. What's your opinion on learning and learning a new instrument? Like how to do it or. Yeah. So what's, what would you say is the best way to learn an instrument? We are having a conversation earlier where, you know, people oh, yeah, call yeah, music yeah. a language. Right. Um,
2: so I'd heard, uh, Victor Wooten did an interview and in the interview, what he was talking about was, um, He said, you know, when we're teaching people music, he said, I think we get too caught up in the rules first. And he said, so when you have a beginner and you keep calling them a beginner and, you know, you keep stopping them every time they hit a wrong note or you know do something wrong. He said, if you think about music as a language, you know, because musicians, when you know music, you can talk to any other musician. Um, You know, once you get to a certain level, you know, it's not just you don't have to be American. You don't have to be a certain nationality. Music crosses those boundaries and becomes like a universal language. So if you think about music as a language, then the same rules essentially apply. And the point he was making is you don't learn rules first. You just learn to talk by listening to those that know how to speak. So a child yeah. you know, learns how to speak from their parents, and the way they learn is speaking mm-hmm. you know, all the time. And so one of the things you have to understand is if I'm always trying to correct that kid and I start trying to teach him verbs and nouns and pronouns and everything else, yeah, like, that's not where you start. You start by letting them work it out. Like, you don't start learning rules until you've been speaking for a few years. You know, once you get to kindergarten, then you start learning your ABCs and all that stuff. And, you know, one of the things that, that I do, and I heard uh, in that interview, uh, Victor talks about his brother, I think it's Reggie, Um that helps with one of their camps or something. He said, but what we do is we let them get up there. And he said, we'll just let them go. You know, just let them play whatever. (laughs) You know, they may be hitting the wrong notes. It may be off time. It may be whatever. He said, but one thing that Reggie is very good at is he said he's very good at giving it context. So even if they're all over the place, he's able to play chords and try to make it musical, that way, they get the feeling that they're talking, even though they're not you know playing you know what we think is the right note or the right chord. Um, he's making it musical for them, so they feel like they're speaking the language, and so what I noticed a lot of times, you know teaching like I'll try to teach students you know at some point during the week, a lot of times uh, if I'm there in town. And one of the things I started doing was, you know, I'll just let them play and it don't have to be on time. It don't have to be whatever. And I'll either sit down at the piano or sit down at the bass and whatever they're playing, I'll try to make it make sense. That way, you know, there's some lessons where I walk them through rules. There's some lessons where we go through technique, but then there's some lessons I tell them, it's like, I can, I can give you the information to be a good musician, but I can't make you a good musician. Right? Yeah. And point you in the right direction. Right. Like I'll I'll aim you where you need to go. But the other thing I told them is I don't want to just teach you songs. Like eventually I want you to be able to speak for yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is I tell them, you make something up and I'm going to play to whatever you're playing. And I'll let them start trying to get into the creative side a little bit to where it's coming from them it's not me saying okay play this note play this note play this note you know i'll let them make it up and then i'll start playing something with them and what's funny is the more you do that they start feeling the music they mm-hmm. start you know music starts to impact them to where you know it's not just you know cut and paste chord for chord note for note um, you know, because I've seen you know, students come in, I'm sure we've all seen the guys that you know, they play that one song, you know, they learned a song to impress their friends, and that's the only song they ever learned, and that's the only one they can ever play. You can ask them to play in a different key, it's not going to happen, right? And you know,
1: okay, so after the recording, um, 2018, that was, yeah. Uh, you had some health problems. 2019 was that? I guess it had to be. 2020 doesn't exist. So,
2: Yeah, so I think it was actually right after the recording. Really? Uh, probably a few weeks, because I had just left here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. So tell us about it. Um, so I was at the church one day and i was teaching a lesson and i've not ever had any type of medical issues or anything like that and so that day i was in the middle of uh, i think it was a piano lesson or something and my cousin aj came in uh, we had a fire at the church so i was you know we i set up like a little uh, like makeshift studio in one of the cleaning closets And so I was working out of there for however long we were in. It's been a few years. Making some fresh music. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So worked in there. So I was doing a, a piano lesson, and AJ come in to get something. And I went to say something to him, and I couldn't talk. And I had my phone in my hand. I had a metronome going for the... Person that was taking the lesson, and I was gonna look to see what time it was, and I when I tried to turn my hand over, I couldn't turn my hand over, and so all of a sudden, when I was able to talk again, I was talking like really fast, and it, I think my adrenaline or something like I got very scared for a second because I didn't know what was going on. I called. Um, there was a one of our really good friends is an RN. I called her. I said something. Really weird just happened to me. I don't know what's going on. She thought you know, maybe my blood sugar had bottomed out or something. So anyway, I think that was on a Wednesday. That Saturday, I had uh, what they call a grand mal seizure, and that's when you know, like your whole body starts convulsing. You don't know where you are. Like you don't remember nothing. And you know, spiritual side of this. My oldest boy Wyatt—he um, had a dream the night before, and he told me. He said, "Uh, he calls me Daddy Low." He said, "Daddy Low." He said, "Uh, he said I had kind of a weird dream about you last night." And so I, I said, "Well, what was it about?" He said, "Well, you know, me and Asa and Mommy Lo were in the." bedroom and he said uh you were out here and he said a burglar came in our house and he said you went out to fight the burglar and um he said when me and mommy and asa came out of the bedroom he said you were laying on the floor and he said uh for those of you that don't know chonies is (laughs) underwear underwear you know Uh, he said you were in your chonies laying on the floor he said but you had two bullet holes in your chonies and anybody that knows me knows I'm I try to be very modest like I'm fairly conservative like I don't like being in public you know without clothes on I usually got you know long sleeves most of the time I just don't you know so it was just funny that I would be anywhere in my chonies first of all and so he told me that and then so the next night I was in their room uh, you know when they were younger i I would try to go in their room at night and just spend you know thirty minutes or an hour just talking to them you know because you get so busy and I didn't want them to feel like they weren't heard or they weren't you know uh, important so I would try to go in there and sit with them. You know, for enough time to where they have my full attention, they can tell me what they need to tell me. Um, and we can just talk, and that way you know, I can start building a relationship that's not just me telling them what to do and what not to do. Um. So anyway, we were talking that night, and my oldest boy started to get teary-eyed, and I said, baby, what's wrong? He said, I don't know, Dad." He said, I just I feel worried about you. And I said, you know, what are you feeling? He said, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. I said, baby, I said, if you feel something, I want you to put your hands on my head and start to pray. And so he put his hands on my head and started to pray for me. And that night I had the seizure. Wow. And wow. so what's funny is I was laying in the bed and it happened about one o'clock in the morning. And my wife said she got on top of me and was slapping me in the face, trying to wake me up, trying to get me out. She said my fists were clenched like under my chin. She said your toes were bent backwards. She said it was like your eyes were rolled back and you would not come out of it. And she said I was sitting there trying to pound on you. And she said I, I didn't know whether to get a spoon. She said I'd heard stuff about you know, trying to keep people from swallowing their tongue and all kind of horror stories. And she said, "You know, I couldn't get you out of it." She said, "I called nine one one, and luckily there was some, uh, like an EMT. One of their main people was off duty, but was like two minutes from our house. Got there in two minutes. Wow. Come in, was trying to help me. The first, the first thing I remember." was waking up to some guy sitting on my bed by asking me, who's the president? Who's, you know, what day is it? What's your name? That's a weird dream. Okay. But uh, eventually the ambulance got there, and they took me out of the bed, put me on the stretcher, and took me into the living room in my chonies, (laughs) just like my son saw. And later, I actually wound up having two separate brain surgeries and some of the procedures, they had to go through my groin area. And I told Wyatt, I said, baby, the Lord showed you what was going to happen before it happened, you know, to let me know I was going to be okay. Sure. Cause in the dream he said, you were okay. And, uh, I told him, I said, baby, the Lord let you see what happened before it happened just to let me know. And, You know, through that whole process, um, they actually found a brain tumor that was the size of a racquetball in my head, um, like towards the center of my brain. And they said it was so big that it was, you know, you have a center line down your brain. And they said it was pushing my center line off to the side. And they said the fact that, you know, you're alive, the fact that you didn't have a seizure, you know, during the day or while you were driving or while you were working, you know, all of those things could have been life threatening. And they said just the fact that you know you haven't had any side effects up till now is pretty significant. Um, but then all through the process, uh, everything that happened You know, they told me, they said, where that tumor is controls your speech, controls your hands, controls your feet. They said, you can come out of this surgery and not know who your family is, not recognize your boys, not know how to walk, not be able to talk, not be able to move your hands, move your body. Um, You know, so there was a whole lot of stuff that could have went wrong. And they said, you know, in the floor I was on, um. Yeah, you know, I would see the people that had the surgeries, you know, and it wasn't all exactly like mine, but a lot of them, you know, they're having these surgeries. So I just see these people walking up and down the hospital hallway and they don't know who they are. Every one of them's got to have people like helping them walk. Yeah. I mean, it was just like a floor full of zombies, you know. Wow. And I remember... Coming out of the surgery and the nurse was telling us, they said, just the fact that you came out of the surgery normal, We just don't see that happen. And um, so every time we went in, you know, there's been a few things happen where uh, I feel like the Lord actually healed my body. And every MRI, there was something the Lord asked me to do um, And I won't go into detail, but after I did it, I felt like the Lord showed me that I was healed of it. And every MRI after that, they never saw, you know, a lot of the tests that they do can see down to, like, cell level, microscopic level of, you know, any cancer cells that would be there. They said, we can't see any cancer cells and every time we have to do, like, a, an MRI or whatever, they always give you this big, long, uh, you know, survey and questionnaire and all that stuff. And so, you know, the lady that does it, you know, she'll go through, like, you're feeling this side effect, you're feeling this side effect, you know, how the chemo affect you, how did the radiation affect you? you know. And they said, you know, the fact that you're not having any side effects, you're normal. You're talking. Um, they told me the place in my brain that they had to remove also controlled what they call the impulse um, control. So they said, you know, just the fact that you're normal, that you're not doing like really super weird things. Um, he told me some horror they stories. Heard you
1: pick chords. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, he's not normal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um but they said just the fact that all that happened, you know, they wouldn't say God, they said but whatever is going on like we haven't seen this. Wow. That's amazing. When
1: I saw when I saw Matt earlier this year in January at the Mark Crowder recording, I told him I was like, "Hey man, the devil tried to kill both of us, so he lost."
2: Amen, brother.
1: Amen. Amen. It's good way. to have
0: both of you guys here. Mine Otherwise, I'd that, be just yeah, you'd, talking by be, myself Yeah, this, this would room. be weird. Do you think it'd be safe to call you an apostolic Jacob Collier? <laughs> Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard tracks with you singing on it. You could sing, Same. so don't don't pretend you can't. I've can heard pause, tracks with true. you and Natalie singing on it.
0: True. Oh, yeah, it's killing me. Yeah. Oh, is the number system important in your opinion? Yes. What for?
2: I don't know about for everybody else, but for me, it, um, like I played by ear for a really long time. And it wasn't until I moved to California and started playing with some like uber crazy musicians that I figured out, like, hey, I'm going to have to start learning some of this stuff to keep up. And so I started there. Um, it's just David.
0: <laughs> David and Travis are trying This to episode is
1: brought to you by Biscoff <laughs> Cookies that Travis and David are enjoying right
2: now. Um, but what I found out they are very useful for is when you're playing, I'm sure Travis has talked about this on some of his videos. Uh, when you're doing a conference and you're having to learn like 30, 40 songs... Uh, For me, maybe not for everybody, but for me, it seems like the harder ones are easier to remember. And all the Christian contemporary songs, they've got four or five chords. But for me, they all start sounding like the same song. So I don't remember which four chords go with which song. So uh, I wind up. Writing out and charting all the super easy ones. I, I
0: yeah. do the same thing. I've and heard Travis say he does the same thing. Just
2: too. memorizing the gospel stuff for the really yeah. hard stuff. Does right. it make sense? Like on a Sunday morning, I'll have to write down
1: a chart for Stones, but I can remember the Ricky <laughs> Diller song that's next. Right. Yeah. Like
2: which should make no sense. Yeah. Either that, or I just don't want to write all the changes. <laughs> How do you know what
0: chords to choose when you're creating? Like I heard you today when we were working on some stuff, you weren't just picking like basic chords.
2: I don't know. Like, uh, I think for me, I, I approach music from a pretty emotional point. Like, I know some people are like, super technical, uh, technically driven, or for me, I tend to come more from an emotional side. So I want, I'm usually picking chords to match the way I want it to make me feel um, and that has kind of happened over the years. Um, y'all you know, hear something and you know somebody hit a chord and it just hit me like in a spot somewhere deep in my soul <laughs> and uh, like I've had that happen a few times, but those feelings I think stick with you so now. A lot of times I'll pick chords that just, I want to feel the chord. So if it makes me feel a certain way, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, you're choosing, I think each chord, depending on how you play the chord, like we know augments and dominant chords, like all that stuff tends to have what we call polarity or gravity to pull you to the next chord. Um, so you can use that sometimes to manipulate and misdirect people, you know, where you get the cords moving a certain way and you get like the gravity pulling them this way. And then when you go and switch it on them, then, you know, they're I have never, ever heard anyone describe it. Like, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but I've never heard anyone say that or describe it in those terms. It's kind of like, you know, if you're soloing for a group of non-musicians, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, I went back, there was a an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert I, I watched, and uh, I think it was Verdeen White was taking a solo. And I remember as a kid, I mean, the guy is jumping all over the stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he is killing this bass solo, like smashing it. It was him and a, another bass player. Um, and so when I got older, I went back and watched that same solo. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not doing anything. <laughs> but then I remember hearing a, a musician, like a very good musician, describe something, and it made a whole lot of sense where, like, when you're playing for a group of non musicians, they're really going off of what they see, you know, because they don't understand everything that you're doing. So that's why it's all about the flash. It's all about the, the people jumping on the stage. And, you know, that's why you got Aerosmith and all these, you know, the chords, the songs are not hard, but because they're. Smashing guitars and flipping and doing somersaults and mm-hmm. everything else, you know. You think it's awesome,
0: that's what we need to resort to.
1: So, <laughs> I'm gonna do next,
2: like, hey, yeah, it is the same licks, but hey. okay. but when you're in a room full of musicians, you know, it's a little different because they've heard everything, so it's kind of like telling a joke. Um, a friend of mine took a, a humor class, <laughs> and
1: he's <That's> funny. He, <laughs>
2: The funny part about it is he told me the way they explained a joke and how it works is what a joke does is it gets you heading in a direction, and then at the very end, it changes direction on you. And he said, so the way they explained it in the class, what it's actually doing, you're laughing because there's a sense of embarrassment that you missed the turn. And That joke will preach. (laughs) But if you think about it from a musical standpoint, because musicians have heard changes so many times, they usually know what's coming. Yeah. You know, so you can't just play your little thing that you've played for 50 years and, you know, they're going to look at you like, oh, that was nice. (laughs) The only way you're going to get them to look at you is if you do something that kind of threw them off Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know. So you usually have to hit, like, some of the best solos I've ever heard, you know, with somebody, and, like, they were heading in a direction, and even some of them, like, I remember there was a, a Jubu Smith took a solo one time on, like, an old Soul Seeker song. He just keeps playing this line over and over and over until it just kind of lulls you to sleep, and then, like, he just completely changes something, and it wasn't even like, you know, just uh, but just the fact that he was just lulling you into this, you know, point, and then at the very end, just like, whoa. Yeah. And just that, I remember I was listening to a Pat Metheny album. Um, it was the one where he played Don't Know Why on, it was like a baritone. And I remember I was sitting in my car and I was listening to it, I think, probably the first time I ever heard it. So I was listening to Don't Know Why, and he did this key change in there. And I remember I was sitting in the car, and it took me so off guard that I started like gut laughing. (laughs) And I would probably look like a crazy person because I was just dying laughing in my car just by myself. But it was because this chord threw me and I wasn't expecting it. And you know,
1: so how much do you like music?
2: (laughs)
0: One to ten. (laughs) Like, I want to play that, like, for, like, my mom. (laughs) And she starts gut laughing at the key change. I'm going to be like, oh, my God. (laughs) Do you recall any eye-opening moments in music theory that you've experienced? I don't
2: know. I mean, I think think it was nice to just... You know, at the point where I felt like, I mean, obviously don't know all of the theory, but at least knew enough to where some stuff that I was already playing started to make sense to me. I think that helped a lot. Um, And then I also liked being able to watch YouTube videos and understand what the musicians were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: YouTube's a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. Just look up Travis Dykes. Yeah. (laughs) learn actually you have a youtube channel as well check it out that's you're not on instagram or facebook but you do have a few things on youtube so y'all go check him out not much we're still trying to talk him into getting an instagram kurt anything you want to add we are 64 minutes in yeah
1: um no i mean we just appreciate you being here actually no hold on before we go to that so I've been out to eat with you several times and I know that you're serious about your food yes All right. and what's also funny is that you are super country yes like the way if you ever heard him play and then you like you don't those two things don't match up yeah um so what's your favorite kind of food what's your no 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 what's your favorite (laughs) restaurant
2: oh man See, that's another one of those questions.
1: All right. What's your favorite Lake Charles restaurant?
2: Even still. Uh, (laughs) Cool. I love, there's a place, um, well, they've got this place called Famous Foods. They're not too far from the church, and they do, they call them soft and spicy cracklins. (laughs) So I don't know if you've ever eaten cracklins before. No. That's Uh, only something people from the country
1: do, like. Uh, well, David has yeah well yeah, that's yeah. not like, saying of much course. you're Shout from Silsby, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you're from Sillsby he's so, from Lake Charles cracklins chitlins you know very similar yeah. um, but anyway what they do is they take these cracklins and instead of them being hard like you know, normal they the top layer it sounds gross but I promise it's not it's Pig skin and fat and meat oh man, just so cut weird. up into bites. So if you think like... The way if, you explain that sounds so good. <laughs> if you've ever had like pork belly or something yeah, like that. that's actually, um, pork, pork belly is actually good. Yes, very. So what they do is they take it and it's just super spicy, but only the top layer has the crunch. So everything else is like just velvet smooth, but just the most extreme flavor spice. So that's one, like anytime any of my friends ever come to Lake Charles, that's like a must stop. Yes, David, you're coming. Um, My mouse over here watering about pig skin. (laughs) And then there's another place called, uh, Daryl's and they have a sandwich there called the Daryl special. What it is, is they take, um, Like a very soft but crunchy bread. And they put, I think it's ham, cheese, turkey, like three or four different types of cheeses or something, and like three or four different types of meat, roast beef. And then it's just like the whole inside just covered with like beef gravy. And then they do like a jalapeno mayonnaise that actually has like large slices of jalapeno in it. And when I tell you, it is one of the best sandwiches you'll ever put in your mouth.
1: This is in Lake Charles. In Lake Charles.
2: Wow. Dude.
0: Let's go Lake Charles food trip. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's the secret. (laughs) We need a Daryl special on some pig skins. Yeah.
1: All right, no. what's your favorite kind of coffee?
2: Um, I really like community. It's the chicory. I hate chicory. Oh. Yeah, I need to
0: start drinking it.
2: No, but the way we do it, you start doing everything he does and see what, what works.
0: I've been like trying to order a Daryl special and all at Subway or Jersey Mike's.
2: Right, get out of here! You go to Jersey Mike's? Yeah. So what we do? We do the the chicory coffee and we put the grounds like in the filter. But then what we do is if you add a little bit of salt, it actually takes the acidity out of it so it makes it smoother. So what we do is we put salt and then we put cinnamon in the grounds and it just really… How did you figure that out? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: If you haven't noticed by now, everything he does is a little bit different, and that's what makes it. It's like, I got to get on that train. I'm going to start messing with everything. What are you doing? Just putting some salt. salt in here. Don't ask. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I get smarter, so that's a plus. That's good.
1: What else? Your sister's a really good singer, isn't she? Uh, yes yeah I think I've seen that on I don't actually I have met her once Tree Fort.
2: oh yeah probably that was during the whole cancer yeah. yes hmm. shout out to Kurt Kurt came and visited me in the hospital with had a like broken a broken leg yeah. Oh, after you fell I fell off the platform and broke
1: my leg <laughs> <laughs> you remember
0: that yeah I remember that because the whole church was looking at you yeah
1: it wasn't during sitting. service it was after service Yeah. Oh, man. that's why we just shout every service out now so I don't have a chance to break my leg yeah the Lord got me you said yeah the Lord got you whatever I'm humble now then he almost killed me yeah so God whatever lesson you're trying to teach me I got it <laughs> okay that's right
0: well on a closing note if you ever start claiming to play guitar please let me know so I
1: can just quit so I can just surrender <laughs> maybe you could play a melodica oh
2: yeah is that what it's called melodica. no he's already got that on he's the got that, yeah. too <laughs> no y'all wanna hear a melodica solo y'all go check out Jacob Collier's Flintstones yes I saw that oh, one of his original Instagram videos good grief the solo on the album is ridiculous
0: what are a few of your favorite
2: classic gospel albums Like, I like all the Milton Brunson stuff. I mean, Borkel, obviously, was a big uh, player. Uh, The Hawkins albums. Um, I mean, I listened to, like I said, all of it. Hezekiah Walker. You know, when we say classic albums, you know, I I got into more classic albums, like, way later. You know, because... Us growing up, I mean, I was, you know, listening to the Hezekiah Walker, like the John P. Keys, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then later started going back to like Canton Spirituals and you know, all like the older quartet stuff. Mississippi and, Poor Boy. <laughs> um, like Timothy Wright and you know, all that stuff. Um, so, you know. My man's deep in the music.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you have any questions for us, like anything you've been trying to learn that you just want to ask us?
2: (laughs) I'd like to learn them guitar licks, brother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you could. That's why I'm taking my guitar home at night.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, funny story is I did have to put guitar on... uh, there was some track we did for, I forgot what it was for, but it was like super guitar heavy and didn't have a budget. you yeah. So my workaround was I played about four guitar tracks to make it sound like one person was playing.
0: A chord or what?
2: Just the whole thing. It was, like uh, yep. got, you know, Johnny Swimming? Yeah. Yeah. It was like some Johnny Swim song, like a bunch of like really nice guitar stuff. And I was like, Well, I don't want to sacrifice that because I can't play. So I just I'd play some parts, you know, on one track, then I'd go back and play another part on another track and go back and play another part. Um I just got it to where it sounded close and it kinda sounded like one person was playing. And that was my workaround. Well. Wow. I can let y'all hear that track at some point, so y'all can laugh.
0: We need like a hotline that people can call if they're feeling less than right now,
1: yeah,
0: like like mental therapy type hotline. We need to google that so we can call, yeah, I yeah. can call <laughs> I wonder if
1: they're open now, <laughs> all right.
0: As well, wrap it up.
1: All right, Matt. We appreciate. It. We're actually we went long because we're going to turn it into two weeks of an episode.
2: Oh,
1: okay. We think you deserve two yeah, weeks. We, yeah. since I appreciate you play it. two instruments at least. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks a bunch for letting us pick your brain.
2: Thank y'all for having me. All right. Get the merch, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're you
1: gonna order go you. An, we're gonna get you a new black hoodie. We heard something happened to yours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed that um, as much as we did.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Matt Ewing is one of my favorite people on earth.
0: Same here. You know, I referenced it in the episode, but he's the apostolic Jacob Collier. I feel certain (laughs) in that. Yeah. Um, If you haven't heard him play. Come to where is the Southwest. Yeah, come to Southwest. April fifteenth and sixteenth. That's right for the David Jennings recording. There's show. only a
1: few tickets left, so you might want to grab one.
0: Yeah, don't miss it.
1: We'll be there. We'll have merch.
0: That's right. We have a merch table. And we've got we've got some t shirts now. Yeah. And some new hats. New we hats we have seen yeah. them on Instagram. Um and then what do we have? I think that's it.
1: Yeah, check it out: K- Convo yeah, shop
0: combokc.com. Yeah,
1: the combokc.com. That's right. Oh, All right,
0: we got some street tacos waiting on yeah. us in the other room, so we're gonna head out.
1: All right, let's do it.